Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Loop. I'm your host Jamie and I speak to Paul Bedwell, the Town Assistant Manager. We speak about his career beginnings, what the club's aims are for the season and just a general chat and I've gone for a more laid back approach for the pod this week. So hopefully, yeah, I hope you enjoy the listen. Lovely. Well, thank you first of all for for doing this with us. Um, it's been a little while since since the last one, obviously, and uh, I keep meaning to come to training. Uh, I actually will this week because I've got my life sorted. So we'll have a catch up with yourself and um, and the boys at training this week. Brilliant. Um, probably introduce myself and everything and get that out of the way. Um, but yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Uh, welcome to the pod. Um, basically, we'll just start with. Um, those who do or don't know you, a little bit about yourself, your interest in football, and a bit about your background, really. Yeah, um, obviously, currently assistant manager with Jamie at Dickholt with the first team. Uh, obviously, it's our third third season together now, but obviously with, with COVID, we've not we've not completed a, completed the season yet. But um, yeah, going back from the sort of playing days, I, I started off at fifteen when I played for Letcombe. Uh, played there for a, a couple of years before moving to Wanted with Stuart, who was obviously then went on to manage uh, Didcot. So I, I left left with uh, well, when Stuart left and come to Didcot, uh, he took me and another lad over to Didcot, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd had a, a couple of years year, years there, and then um, yeah, left left the year before the Vars and uh, went back went back to Wantage and then returned to Didcot the following season. Today, um, I think mean, you've made um oh what two hundred appearances for Digcott. I think I've got here yeah. somewhere. Um, it's interesting. First of all, you mentioned you've you've worked on the Stuart piece before. Yeah, so he's been on before and we've had a, a chat with him and and his career. What was he like to work under? Yes, Stuart's great. I've I've known Stuart since I was uh, probably about ten years old. He um he used to he managed the Sunday side a long time ago that my my dad used to play. For. so I used to go along and watch and uh she used to pay me 50p a week so I used to put the kit in the bag at the end end of the end of the <laughs> game and I'd have me 50p to go to the pub afterwards and get a packet christener and a chocolate bar so yeah so it was a sort of a great time at one is a good good learning curve to start with and yes mm. as soon as he went to Digcott jumped at the, jumped at the chance to go go with him um and then obviously you've you left there in 2005 then, it's the year before the bars, wasn't it? So you left then. Um, and in 2013, you get the gig at Milton United after a yeah. spell at Digcock Casuals. We'll come to Milton in, in a little bit. Um, I'll just say Digcock Casuals are, what, the smaller Sunday league side around around the area, aren't they? Um, yeah. I, I kind of want to understand, what have you always had an interest into coaching or did that come later on in playing yeah, days or what? has that always been a thing? It, it it started at um I sort of when I left I left Hungerford when I finished at Hungerford I I got a knee injury and I I was out for three months and I was I wasn't enjoying it at the time and Taylor had just started started playing football and I was I was more enjoying coaching him and coaching his side and watching him play than than playing myself so the sort of the knee injury finished me off at that time and I was I I was in a way sort of kind of relieved like give me an excuse to step away from the football and um. Sort of after after my rehab, I, I sort of went and played for Harwell for for a couple of games, but that was that was more the social side of it, and I sort of started to get into bad habits. And um, 
apparently he was playing for the reserves at the time. So um, he said, come along. So I start come back to Digcott and just play for the reserve side. Uh, and after a couple of years, I just, yeah, start getting involved with the coaching side. It's just sort of taking training. Uh, and then the current manager left, Nozza, Nozza took over. And again, I've done the same uh, doing, the, doing the training as such. And then um, the, the first team, when they were in the, the Premier Division, was short. So Jamie gave me the call and said, you know, will you come and sit on the bench and sort of help out? So yeah, so so I went along and I ended up staying with the first team squad for the sort of the last ten games. I didn't I didn't get many minutes under my belt, but um, it was great under eighty. Was I sort of lost lost a lot of love with football, but then sort of them ten games sort of got me back in got me back into it. And at the end of the end of the season, eighty pulled me aside and wanted me to join the join his coaching team for the following season, which was yeah I was sort of buzzing off. Buzzing off that, but unfortunately, come the come the end of the season, I got the offer to go join Radio Berkshire, and uh, that was it. I was back back in the back, just playing for the reserve team. So from then, it sort of got my got my thinking into wanting to go to the coaching and managing side of it. Well, then, um, obviously with Dickup Casuals, you then do get gig at Milton. Yeah. Um, how how did the approach for yourself work? Like what? How do they come up to you and, and register their interest pretty much? Yeah, so I, when I was doing Dick Cup Casuals, I was with uh, Marcus Brown and uh, he'd gone for the Milton job the previous season and I hadn't got it. And then the manager they had left, so he he took me along and we went and met the chairman and they were they were keen for um, for us to to go there. Mm. And um, in the in the meeting, Marcus had actually told them that we'd get promoted within two years. And and it was one of them. We, I literally walked out and said to him, "Why? What the hell have you said that for? You know, we've got no players, no nothing, and you promised we'd get them out in two years." He said, "No problem. I've got I've got faith in you. Get to work." And and we did it in the first year, so it was uh, it was great. Jeez, I was gonna say like, there's, there's no plan. This just I just I just know you. You seem decent enough, so yeah, we yeah. could do it with no actual plan. So did you just yeah string a team together of contacts yeah. that you know pretty much. Yeah, we literally had no play. We messaged all the players from the previous year. We got no reply, nothing back. So we literally had a blank canvas. So I was sort of dig cop based. He was more wanted based. So he pulled all the players from one edge. I pulled a pool dig cop, and it just it was just one of those things. It, it just everyone clicked. It's one of the sort of the best best change rooms we've ever. I've been in. Everyone was together. We had a great team spirit. Uh, we weren't necessarily the best side in the in the league, but we had a great spirit. We kept we kept clean sheets and we we always had players that would nick us a goal and uh, yeah come the end of the season we we finished the champions. Uh, I've been trying to find as much as I can. I, I do my research, try to do my research, and I can't find an awful lot. Annoyingly, so you say you got promoted at the first attempt. Yeah. Um, if you take us through the your time at the club, then after that, what what happened after that, and uh, what was the feeling like during the season that you won promotion? Oh, like I say, it was great. Like we sort of had a bit of a slow start, and we were sort of we were sort of about fifth or sixth, and we were sort of looking at the table, and uh, we thought, well, we've got games in hand coming up to Christmas. If we win the games in hand, we could be turning the new beam with a shout. And uh, I think the turning point was we played Hinksy uh, at home, and they were they were top of the league, and they had they had some class players that sort of should have been playing a league higher, and they it looked like they were going to rob the league. And we were absolutely beaten one 0 and we were absolutely superb that day. And it was sort of that was a massive confidence builder. 
And from then we just went on a run and all of a sudden we were sort of, we were in with a shout, we're winning it and we sort of had the ups, ups and downs. It, it come to the sort of the bank holiday weekend it, with two games to go. We won our last two games, we were going to win the league. Mm. And uh, we went to Maidenhead who had, they were like their reserves and they were, they had some incredible young players and we actually got played off the park and mm. somehow we come away with a one-all, one-all draw. And, in the change rooms, like all the lads' heads were down. Mine was like, "We're going to win the league because we there was no way we deserved a point out of that game." And somehow we've come out with a point. Mm-hmm. And Hinksy still had some tough games to go. And I said, "We'll win Monday. We'll we'll win the league." And it it went to the bank holiday Monday. We won. I think we won seven one or something comfortable <laughs> like that. And uh, <laughs> likewise, yeah, Hinksy Hinksy were at Headington, who were another side at the top, and we had a quick phone call through to. To heading to while the game's going on, we're talking to the chairman at the time, mm. and he yeah come back and said the yeah, game finished nil nil, which made us made us champion. So we yeah, we were we were delighted. How was uh, how was the head next morning? Oh, yeah, it was great. It's horrible. <laughs> it was a bank holiday Monday because we had to work the next day, so we we piled back oh. to the club and yeah, we had a few beers that night. But then we uh yeah we had a uh, a Butlins weekend planned, so we went off uh, one of the old Butlins weekends and had a had a great time there. Crikey. I can only imagine if you didn't have work the next day. My oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what what kind of resolved in you in you leaving Milton United then? Uh well it was t- sort of the, the the second season we done we I think was a bigger achievement than us getting promoted. We managed to stay up and we I think we finished about fourth or fifth and bottom and mm. we've always felt that was probably a bigger achievement than than winning division one and getting up there. Uh, and then we done the done the third season. We I think we probably had technically our best best team, but we didn't have the characters and I didn't have the team spirit. And um, at a time, Taylor Taylor was at Oxford, so he was he was training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, playing on Sunday. I was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and it was just I was out every every night of the week with football, mm-hmm. and it just comes to a point that you know something had to give, and I decided, look, I'm going to kn- knock it on the head, and the problem. I had was I I decided about Christmas and I should have probably walked away walked away then but I sort of spoke to the chairman and spoke to players and said look at the end of the season I'm going to walk away and then from then results and everything sort of nosedived players availability players left so we ended up yeah we ended up finishing bottom or second for bottom and um, getting relegated so it was a bit of a bit of a sour note to to finish on after the, you know sort of the two years of good work. To, to finish it like that but that was yeah that was it so it was, yeah it wasn't wasn't nice to finish like that but you know I by that time I'd sort of sort of had enough of it and it was a, it was always a struggle when you haven't got a budget to you know to to pay your players the availability if you start to struggle people suddenly suddenly don't want to play or have got something out something else to do mm. did not help as well with obviously when Milton's based clubs like Didcot yeah, higher, you, you can attract. Yeah, it likes players, right? we're, we're sort of finding it now with the, with the catchment area you've got. You've got, like I said, teams that now with our teams at level, we compete with Northleigh, Kidler, and One Edge. But then you've got Milton as well. So if people don't want to travel, they you know, tend to go and play for like Milton now or mm. or the Abingdon side. So you've got so much so much competition around for for players. It, it is hard. So we've got, we've got a few points that we'll I definitely want to delve into if we can in a bit. Um, yeah. As after leaving Milton, the, 
obviously situation with his son Taylor coming through. He's now part of the first team, obviously coming through precision the whole route. Is it? Did it any opportunities since Milton want to make you become a manager again, or has um, that just been it doesn't so, work? So what happened? It it come. I sort of um, I still sort of followed Milton's Milton's results, and it was sort of close. And they they changed managers a couple of times, and I spoke to spoke to my mate. Uh, Marcus again and said oh if, you know if the job would have come up in two months time I'd have known what's happening with Taylor at Oxford and I would have probably liked to take the chance and he sort of said well they're not very happy with the new manager they've appointed would you be interested so we we sort of started the conversation up and yeah I went I went back in there on a I think it was boxing boxing day was our first first game we took back over so we sort of went back in with the plan of We'll see out the season. We'll assess the players we've got, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll take it from the new season. We'll bring in what we need to, and see what see what we can do. But come the summer, Jamie, Jamie gave me a call and said, "Look, I'm I'm going to go for the first team job. You know, if I get it, I want you as my number two. And like, it was probably the only only club and the only person I'd have left left Milton for. Mm. So, it, you know, as soon as he, as soon as he asked, as soon as he got it, I jumped the, jumped the chance to do it. How far back does your relationship with Jamie go then? Uh, first, for my first time I come to Didcot, it, it was sort of instantly him and I knew Connors before from from college, but as soon as you know I sort of signed him being captain, he he's always the guy that comes over and makes you welcome at the club, and it was just yeah instant from there. We we got on from sort of day one, same with Ian and Connors, and then like I said, our our girlfriends and that all got on as well. So it was great. We used to go out for meals and, you know, weekends away and stuff like that. So, yeah, basically from the first day I went to Didcot. Working relationship, first relationship kind of intertwines, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, coming together again, you two on, we'll touch a little bit on your current position now, obviously as assistant. Um, you're hearing about players trying to convince them when you're at Milton United, it's difficult to get players to want to play, to travel. How does that kind of work when you kind of convince people to sign? Because I've not really had anyone to ask yet. And I don't suppose that obviously you won't delve into finances per se, but when you're trying to get a player to sign on, on trial or how difficult can it be to convince people and, and make them it, want it can, to join? It can vary. Sometimes it, it can be as easy as anything. Like hmm. with, with me, when I first first side for Didcot with with the pitch and the stadium you literally Stuart had no problem signing people because you'd walk people into the club you'd walk them out onto the pitch mm. and he wouldn't have to say that you'd just show him the facilities and that and you'd like where do I sign mm. you sign but, but sort of nowadays it, it can vary you know we we spoke to players this year some some have took Jamie's probably spent weeks and weeks to talking to certain players to get them over the line some players it might be one little little conversation and they'll, they'll sign. Hmm. So um, it, it can be hard, like with the Milton Milton situation. You've got nothing to offer, so it's 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 basically say, come and come and play for me. This is what our aims, this is what our goals are, this is what we want to want to try and achieve. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I mean, is any is any players turn up for trials and and that they don't really hit the grade that you're looking for how often does that happen because the amount of end of the season imagine the amount of flurry of people who are interested in trials and training 
what how was your decision process yeah. on that yeah quite a lot. to be honest it's very rare you'll get one that's that turns up for a trial that it's going to be be any good you you might get a couple like i said we've had this year there's a couple that we, we're gonna have a little bit of a more of a detailed look at in a few games mm-hmm. but they tend to be not up, not up to the standard because they tend to be if they're, if they're good enough they'd be they'll be at a club or or already but like i said this year we, we seem to get get loads we had, we had 23 training training last tuesday night and even the third the thursday when the position boys had a game we thought mm-hmm. oh we'd be down to a few we still had 16 you know we had eight i think eight boys were involved with craig over at Tilsey Park and we still had still had 16 training and, and that was with three or, three or four out injured and that's that's a you know there was about probably three or four trialists sort of their their training or turn up mm. it's, it's random you'll get people turn up their training just say they spoke to someone and they, they've come down I think this week Jamie's had two or three people that have sent their football CVs through to him about interested about coming training and having a look so you have to do Try and do a little bit of digging in the background to, mm. to see if they're, you know, from what they're saying from their their CV is true or not. How how does the process? So interested in this because obviously I'm in charge of the socials accounts yeah. and I get messages every now and then. I, I just it just be how do you say no to someone in a way? Because <laughs> I'm kind of rubbish at that in general. But I would just someone who just turns up, plays a little like training session, and you go, nah, you're, you're not, you know, you're just. For. The best way, the best way, like, even with the play, is being brutally honest. If, as long as you're honest, you know, with the lads, I think they, they, you know, they tend to take it pretty well. If you, you know, sort of say that we don't seem to have a place for you, or you know, a lot of the time you can you can help them find a club, let, you know, lesser down or or at a similar level if that's what they're looking for. Because I said we've had quite a few players. They sort of seem to be coming from Aylesbury Way, Northampton. And you sort of, you know, sort of try and explain, are you going to be comfortable with the traveling, you know, with mm. training twice a week? You know, you're going to be traveling hour and a half or to the games and that. If you need to find, you know, a team closer, then, you know, we would normally help them out do that. That's pretty cool. So kind of networks, like scout networks yeah, around together. Yeah. Like said, especially like, so we know, we know Sam at Milton and Leah at Wallingford. So if we, we think it's a player that's maybe not quite good enough for us, then we we tend to pass them on to to like sort of people like Lee and that that we know. Have you ever had any spats with people as if they've ever kind of taken an opinion like too close to heart, really, or that not really happen? Um, not managing playing. <laughs> I have, uh, time at, yeah, the time uh, a time at Dickart, I fell out with um with. Mike Ford, we had a we had a bit of a set to in the changing room, right? But um, yeah, I actually I actually see him when we played over at Easington the uh, the other week. He was he's there. And he's good friends with Andy, and we had a we had a beer then, and he uh, he brought it up then. And we had it. We had a Jake, but we didn't have I didn't have a problem with uh or with Fordy, but at the time Pete Pete Foley was manager, she was assistant, and it's Stuart that brought me over, and I, I didn't feel like I was one of Pete's sort of. Pete's players and there was always little little digs here and there from Pete in training and it, it got to the point I didn't like turning up at training if I turned up at training and Pete's car was there mm-hmm. I did I didn't want to train but but if he wasn't that means Paulie would take training and he, he was good training it, it was just I think it was one of those pressure things that built up and mm-hmm. 
40 way drop down from the professional game was always on at you as a player. He was always on it, digging at you, digging at you. And then this one game, he was just on at me all the time. And I, during the game, I said, we carry on, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to hit you. And then in the change room afterwards, everyone was, we got beat three or four now and we were absolutely awful. And he just said something and I just said, that's it, you're having it. And jumped up Jeez. and yeah, caught everyone, everyone sort of piled over and Powley, Powley jokes now. He says, I don't think I did, but he said, I missed him and it, I hit Powley. Oh, God. Uh, a few, yeah, a few words from all sides sort of chucked at each other. But then it was sort of one of those things that once once it had finished, we went in the bar and had a, had a beer afterwards and it it was forgotten. Mm. Yeah. It's it's one of them things, I, I guess, about management. It's, it's having that skill to... You can have a go at some people. You've got to be yeah. really soft with others. And, it, you know, I, I don't deal well with getting shouted at all the time because it just it motivates me less, right? I can't do it. And you say turning away from training, surely that's a point where... That's not a very good environment to try and win games in because that just filters down to the rest of the squad, right? Yeah, and that that comes to the management, and that's that's where the good managers are. They know know what the players respond to. Some players need an arm and need to be told constantly how good and not to worry about stuff. Where some people, you know, do need can be shouted at, can be you know, you can be a bit more verbal and a bit more aggressive with them, and you get the you get the best out of them. Mm. And that, that's that is part of the management. The man management is knowing what the players respond to. What would you say your style is out of those two? <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably a bit more I'm more aggressive and probably probably now I would probably respond better to to how Pete was and I'd be probably a bit more. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you I am I am good enough and I can I can do it. Mm. We'll speak to I'm sure I'll speak to Taylor at some point. So this is an interesting one. Uh, in, in, say you go back onto your, your style of management and, and coaching in general. Um, you see in professional games so much when managers have sons that play. I mean, how does that relationship different to home life when you step onto the pitch and training? Like, how does that? I think that's a word there. You know what I mean? You, you see your son developing through the okay, ranks well, of the first team. It's, and, it is it's hard. I have to try and separate myself as look at it as a as a system manager or as a coach rather than a dad and. Sometimes, like I said, when we're discussing Taylor, I sometimes sort of have to take a step back a little bit and mm. sort of think: Am I look? Am I looking at it through dad eyes, or am I looking at it as a through the coach's eyes? And obviously, we've we've got Craig, Andy, and Jamie. We're all having a sort of opinion and talk, and yeah, it tends to be. Luckily, like I said, I, I, we all tend to agree. So I think, well, okay, good. Someone else is seeing it through my eyes, and I'm I'm not seeing it as as you know the proud dad. Oh yeah, he's doing well mm. when maybe when maybe he's not. Has he ever disagreed with you then about performance? Um, I, I I learned early on at Ox probably the first few years. I not critical of him, but we'd probably over discuss it, and I'd sort of say, "Oh, you've not, you're not, you know, I don't think you've done well today." But I got to probably about when he was about thirteen. I sort of I I see another dad how he he was with his son, and he mm. put a lot of pre- lot of pressure on his son, and he was contradicting what the coaches were telling him, and the poor lad just didn't didn't know which way to go and from then it's sort of I've got to just let him play and it would be getting when he'd get in the car I said oh you know well done today how do you think you done and then he would talk to me and tell me how he thought he'd done and I would mm-hmm. say well I thought you'd done you'd done this well you could have probably done this better but you know what have your coaches said and then that that would be sort of it and we'd leave it like we'd leave it like that so we came through Oxford um Okay, I'll speak to him more in detail about this, but what what's your feeling when you know you see your son starting out at a place like Oxford United? Like where 
So as you started off as a player yourself, um, we'll come to your, where all your ambitions were, your career interests were, you know, when you started. But when you see your son come through Oxford United, what were your thoughts for him, like career-wise? Do you, where where do you expect him and think he was going to end up at? It was it was one of them. To be fair to Oxford, they were they were very good at uh, explaining to you. Look, there's there's a very small percentage of people that or players or boys that will go on and make it professional. Mm. So he Taylor's quite good at understanding that you know there there is a chance you can. There's also a chance you can't. But what we will do, they give him a great great football education so that you know. When he when he left it, he unfortunately didn't get a scholar, but he left at 16. He was in a great position to go and play, you know. Hopefully he'll play, he's playing, you know, he's 18 now and playing Southern League. Hopefully he can kick on and go and play higher up, you know, higher up the pyramid. Mm. But you know, they 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 don't sell you the dream. They they do, you know, they were pretty good at telling you that, you know, I think there's one lad, I think, from his age group, that's, that's gone on to get a get a pro pro deal. You obviously so, have some clubs that literally chuck kids out with with nothing, right? I mean, especially at the top end, you're doing that a lot. So it's obviously good to hear they're protecting obviously youngsters in the local area, and that's there's no yeah, point I, just. I, I think that's right because you can't. You like you said again, it's it's a small percentage. So it, it, as long as you. You you tell the kids that you, it's great to have that dream, and like I said we all we all wanted to be a professional footballer when you're younger. But the chances are you aren't going to aren't going to be good. Enough. You can get a good enough skill set and a good enough football education that you can you can go and play at a good standard. And again, there's there's no no saying in two or three years time that you know he he might be up at a, a conference south club and that and then you're in the shop window and you ne- you never know, but. You know he he's moved on now. Going to going to Craig was the best thing for him when he he left. To be fair to him, he, he took it really well. We had a few tears the the first night when he got released, but it was sort of the next morning. Dust yourself down. It, it's the, it's the next journey, and you know he went to Craig, and Craig's been absolutely brilliant, brilliant for him. And you know he he's into his his personal training now. Craig's set him up with his his own sort of little personal training business that he, he's doing on the side and. He, he's just about to start the uh, the uni degree, and, and Craig's Craig's took him on in a in a coaching role at the college as well. So it's good. been good good for him. I might need to talk to Craig about personal training because I uh, I need it <laughs> I need it really. So yeah, so he, yeah, he sets it up with Tay. So he, he'll do. Uh, he's been doing them over Zoom at the minute. He's got mm. he's got quite a few. There's two of them that do it. They do it together. So uh, yeah, it's quite good, mate. Speak to Craig and he'll mm. set you up. I don't doubt he will. <laughs> I don't doubt he will. Um, you say you started at Lepcombe at 15. Yeah. Um, growing up, I mean, what, what was your team you supported and what did you want to achieve in football? So, yes, same. I, I wanted to be a pro football, but I always played for Swindon Town, Sports Swindon. Mm. So, it went, you know, when, when Teddy got a trial at Oxford, it, it was a no, <laughs> even though yeah, Swindon, Swindon's right, it was a no, it was a no-brainer for me. It's it it like, we live in Oxfordshire. He he wanted to do it. I was happy happy to support that. But that, yeah, for for me, it, I was the same. I went to play. I went to be a professional football and play for for Swindon. I, I was never at an academy. I had a, had a trial at Coventry City. Played a couple of games, but um, but didn't get in. So it was sort of it was youth football playing representative football, and then yeah, 
I was at Lec- last year at school at Letcombe and um, Des Williams, my head teacher, was the uh, secretary. And it was like, do you want to do you want to play men's football? Got called to the headmaster's office and <laughs> yeah, said, do you want to sign for, for Letcombe and play for the reserves? So it was like, yeah, let's get in, get into men's football. So that's normally get called there for detentions. So uh, well, get, I, get I was, <laughs> if I normally got called to his office, it was to do with football. It was either big school team or mm. or something. It was always to do with football. That's a pretty good reputation to have, isn't it? <laughs> um, so now you're you're a decor's assistant. Um, obviously, you're happy there. Make sure that you're happy yeah. there. Um, what changing over from playing to coaching that career and ambition? What what have you set yourself? Have you set yourself any targets to achieve and career-wise, where do you want to take yourself? Um, I, I don't know, really. It's, it's, it's like I said, in, in terms of management and coaching, I, it's still sort of, sort of quite young. So it, it's great to have someone like with Andy and Craig, the, the knowledge that Andy's got, and the coaching ability that Andy and Craig got is great. So it's, it's sort of, for me at the minute, it's a sort of a, a step back and, watching Andy coach, watch Craig coach and, and pick up bits and pieces off them, off their knowledge of the game and stuff like that. So for me at the minute, I just see it as sort of developing myself as a as a coach and picking up as much information um, on tactics, on training and and basically just seeing seeing what the future holds at the minute. You know, I'm I'm happy as long as as long as Jamie's manager and he, he wants me as assistant, I'll be I'll be his assistant. But Going forward, if if, a, if that ends and the management opportunity comes up, I'll, you know, and I fancy I'll chuck my hat into the ring and see what happens. Keep a keep a firm eye on that. The book is not closed on that, is it? Hey, up. <laughs> um, in terms of philosophy and tactics, then um, at this level, one, you know, how how well do you prepare tactics twice a week? So obviously, everyone's part time, got other jobs to do. And what is your like philosophy on football? And how do you see the game, and how do you like it played? Do you and Jamie and Andy share the same ethos? Yeah, yeah. Like like we said, we like we like to like to play out, try and play out from the back. If if it's on, if it's not on, then we we have to go 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 longer. But we like you know we like to play through the thirds, build it up, get into, you know keep the ball where we can, and and basically build yeah build it out from there, hmm. and. Um, like, like you said, we 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 constantly chat. We've got a WhatsApp groups. So we talk over tactics and formations, and over that. And obviously, we look at look at who we're playing. Do we need to make slight tweaks to the formation, or or where we're going to going to play for the for the team we're coming up against? Or and again, who's available? It might be, you know, an injury to a certain player might mean we we try a different formation. Uh, over preseason, I think we we probably played two or three different different formations depending on who's who's been available and and who we're playing with with a certain opposition we we might try to be you know a little bit more defensive and make us a little bit more solid if if we think we might be up against it or if it's a team we feel we may go and dominate we might overload a certain area of, of the part where we think we can get a bit of a domination in the game so how do you analyze a team at this level so obviously higher up you go you've got teams of scouts and all these sort of guys who go to every game and they'll learn teams inside out. They'll know it. At this level, how do you do that? Especially where we kick off on Saturday away to Aylesbury and then yeah. the game is on Tuesday at home. So I'm assuming there's not a training session in between then. No. How difficult so, is that? Yeah, so it's hard. 
with with it, you sort of you tend to rely on your contacts. So Jamie's got good contacts, Andy has, Craig has. So it for example, with with Aylesbury on Saturday, we we've already spoke, they played Fairford at the weekend. So we spoke there and luckily they videoed the game. So we we've got a video of their their game from uh from Saturday that we you know it's already got up on our WhatsApp group that we're we'll watch before before Saturday and sort of get any information off the off their manager of, of key players they have and the way they played. And then we'll we'll obviously sit down and discuss how how we feel we can we can counter their their threats. But the- again with the, with the Tuesday it might be a side we don't support don't think we'll probably know too too much about them apart from how we how they played against us last year. Mm. So does it quite difficult then with when you have no training sessions in between games? Because obviously when I'm looking at the fixtures of the league this season, there's a lot more a lot more midweek games, particularly travel, happening yeah. by the looks of it for most teams. I mean, how are you looking to plan for that? We're we're prob- with with ones like that. We'll probably more concentrate on on ourselves and how we we want to play, how we want to set up, and mm-hmm. we know we'll, we'll set up how we want to. And it, it might be a an in game decision that we might have to change tactics or or way of playing. But luckily, we've got players that can a- adapt. So it might might be a shift in formation if we feel we need to change it change it in game. But they'll they'll sort of be a bit more off you know off the cuff and. And, and change it if we don't know a lot about the side we're playing. Well, um, obviously kicking off Saturday, uh, you obviously want to go off to a good start. What does pre-season actually tell you? Because obviously where players can still leave, at times you get injuries and, and all sorts of obstacles you can get, I mean, with, especially with childless joining or not joining all the time. I mean, what does pre-season genuinely tell you about the squad? It's 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 more about getting the togetherness, building a building a relationship between the boys and the fitness, and just getting everyone up up to the the right speed for the for the first game. You you can't take result results into to consideration. It's more it's more performances, you know. And looking at there might be certain tactics that we want to try out in a certain game that might work. You know, it might be might be they don't work, so we might decide you know we, we're not going to use that that way of playing or. You know, there's there's a couple of formations we've we've tried out pre-season that we like the look of, and if we've got the right personnel for that right game, we we can play it. But it's it's more about the the, the fitness and sort of getting everyone on on the right page and knowing how we want to play and and how how we're going to do things throughout the season. So, what are the aims for the upcoming season? And what's what's the hype? What's the it's too early. It's not even kicked off even for the expectations. But what, what are what are you looking to achieve for the club this season? Personally, I you do, you look at the fixtures and you, you know you go out to win every game. Mm. You, you don't. I don't. I don't think you you look if we you know if we said well we're looking to finish outside the relegation zone or we're looking to finish mid table. I think you you set the wrong precedent to the to the players and you. You're saying you don't think they're good enough. I think you look at every game and go, you know, we're going out to win every game, and you know, we'll we'll see in two months where we are, six months where we are, or in the season where we where we are, and you know, depending on on how we do, we'll finish where we deserve to finish. If we if we if we win a large majority of our our games, we'll be round about the playoffs. If we win half, we'll be we'll be mid table, and that that's where we'll deserve to be. 
obviously the, the cups are back. I think all the cups are back this season, aren't they? Uh, yeah, Challenge yeah. Cup and FA Cup. Yeah, FA Cup. Um, so you kick off the league two games and it's straight to the FA Cup on the 21st to Oxy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, is the mood different for FA Cup games? Um, I think it. I think it is, especially for for sort of Andy and Jamie with the success they've had with Dickot in it. Mm. They they know what they know what it's like to reach the first round. For me, I, I'm trying to think. The best best I've probably done was a player was I think we maybe Dickot may qualify four once. Mm. But yeah, it, it's like I said, the first few. It's the FA Cup. It's still to me, it's still a special mm. special competition, and you you hope you can have a year like like Andy and Jamie. You know, for for me, that'd be I was there watching it that day, watching Lee. Mm. But um, yeah, it'd be special if if we could achieve something like that again. And you hope you can get a good run in it and and get get to the first round proper again would be be, be amazing. So because not, not pressure, but because obviously you get prize money at, at this level is is quite important. It's quite good. Yeah. Is there any ever that pressure on yourselves and and players? Do you think? when you get knocked no, out I don't think we, we as as players and management personally I, I don't worry about the prize money it's great if we win mm. you get the prize money and you know you might be able to go get for a few rounds and you might be going be able to go to the chairman and ask for a little bit more money but yeah I don't think I don't think personally I don't feel the pressure that you know we go into an FA Cup game and we, we have to win it because the because of the prize money we go out mm. to win it because we want to win it want to win a game of football and get to the next round Obviously, atmosphere would be getting next to a tie again. Would be incredible. That's 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 what that's uh, that's what you hope. For. That's what every non-league club hopes for that they can get. You mm. know, get get through to that get through to that fourth round or the first qualifying round and get a, get a good tie at home. Or you know, look look at Marine last year. You know, mm. would they would they have gone into the first first qualifying round or whatever round they come into and thought they'd get they get to that and play Spurs. They probably they probably didn't, but mm. it, you know it, it can happen. That would be that would be amazing. <laughs> How do you even word that? Fire on that. Um, well, there's a few questions in really. Um, the first one is from me because I'm nosy. I want to know um, best and worst trainer. Who is it? <laughs> you can throw anyone under. It's oh. fine. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna. This is a tough because we just uh, we were just chatting about it on on Twitter before I before I come on. Right, Seth. Seth is probably one of the best best trainers I've, we've had over the three years. Right. But we have a we have a we have a blue man. So so every week after after training on a Thursday, mm. there's a vote for the for the worst worst trainer or you know. But it could be a varied of reasons for anything over that week. Someone could get vote for. And the last two weeks, Seth. Seth Seth's had the blue man for the last two weeks. So he normally is the best trainer, but he's been the worst for the last two. Mm. He's the worst, the worst trainer. To be fair, they all train pretty well. There's there's a oh, few. Who'd you, who'd, you, who'd you have a go at? Who'd you, who'd you, who'd you have a who needs a G- kick? Gilly gets a lot of stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's a lovely guy. He does get he mm. does get a bit of stick. Was was he was he do was he do or not do? Ah, uh, he's off, often. Andy, you can hear Andy shouting at Gil if it's a, if a pass passing drill or that 
he'll be one that will he'll get it wrong and pass it to the wrong cone or we'll we'll mess it we'll mess it up and kill kill the session. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck Gilly under the bus. And he's sports Oxford as well, so I will chuck it. I'll chuck Gilly under the bus. Oh, well, that's that's perfect. Then that's that's one is that one's sorted. That's signed and sealed. He's got to redeem that throughout the whole season, yeah. then, hasn't he? So and hopefully we will get this out by uh, maybe Wednesday, and then come Thursday, it'll be a happy place in the training ground. They'll all yeah, know what's happened. <laughs> um, Connors has some questions for you. Uh, go on then. I know. And, what, I, know. <laughs> I will start. Number one, what did you order from the Chesham United burger van before the game? See, has he said that he had one as well? Hasn't said that he had one. No, see, I, I was so. influenced by him. So, yeah, it was a pre-game. At, we were playing Chesham week. Obviously, we come come straight from work. We were on, on the pitch having a chat. Floodlights were off. All of a sudden, there was a glow in the bottom corner of this burger van. And... uh we were chatting, so yeah, we're a bit hungry. So I'm gonna go and get something. So I followed I followed him down. Mm. We went over, he ordered he ordered a burger or something like that. He snuck round to the side, went off it. Literally, as I ordered my I ordered a hot dog or something like that, as literally as I had it, mm. the floodlight pinged on. You could see me, all of a sudden I could hear Stuart shout, he better not be buying a burger or anything, or he's not playing. <laughs> so quickly I snuck round, he called us in, so I was eating it as quick as I can. Just as I walked in the change room, Jamie's gone to me, Mars bar. So Stuart's gone, what were you eating? I've gone, Mars bar. Just as I sat down, Jamie's nudged me again. I've gone, wipe your mouth, you got ketchup all around your mouth. Oh, no. So, yeah, so I got away with it. Stuart, so until now, Stuart thinks I only had a Mars bar. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I had had a hot dog, but Connor's had a burger before me. So he was, he was just as bad. I'll... Uh... I'll pull him up on that one when we uh, yeah. eventually meet at the game this year. I'm sure he'll, he'll pop down. Um, he's got another one. Uh, Nick, who I'm sure you will know, was called Klaus von Tash during training and matches. He wants to know why. So again, another one. It was a, a theme. We used to have a, a theme. And it was normally on a, on a Saturday, but this, this one was a Tuesday night. We said you you had to come with a with the tash, so um, we'd all sort of turned up, and a lot a lot of the lads shaved it off before the game. I I was like, no, I'm going to leave it on and on play the game with it. And he, he I I was sub, and I, we were winning three or four nil. So Stuart, chucked, last twenty minutes, chucked me on it. Said, go on, I go and have a laugh, go and play up front. Mm. So I went up front as the the big big target man, and uh, yeah, kind of thought I looked like a big big German target man so yeah so he started calling me uh, Klaus von Tash <laughs> well when uh, when the new kit comes in I'm going to buy one and that is the name that's going to go on the back and that's oh, going to be your yeah. your Christmas present <laughs> brilliant um, and finally from Ian uh, he just wants to know why you just gave away so many penalties apparently oh. his words not mine so I think that's a, I think that's a myth I used to <laughs> Oh, the odd one away. Yeah, it was always someone to stay on your feet, stay on your feet, and that was the worst. Yeah. So I always thought I could win, win the ball. So there's a few times I, uh, I lunged in maybe when I shouldn't and give a give a few penalties away, but mm. we we tended tended to win most games, so it, it didn't really cost us too much. Uh, it didn't really matter. Did, as long as you get the points in the bag, he, he probably was on a clean sheet bonus. That's probably why. He, he was <laughs> we'll have Ian part two. 
Yeah. <laughs> you live streamed along with it. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much all, all we'll do for this evening. So thank you very much again, Paul, for coming on. Um, no problem. Really appreciate the time. Uh, obviously, I'll be, I'll catch up with you guys uh, tomorrow. I'm pretty sure Mark will be there as well. Yeah, cool. Um, we'll get him a few more headshots, a few more sign-in photos. Um, I'll cut this little bit out. Is there any update on the kit or not yet? Yeah, the kit's uh, going to be ready Friday. So we're, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll have that on uh, for Saturday. Okay, cool. Sweet. Well, we'll, uh, I'll just cut this little bit out, but when, uh, yeah, when it's cool. there and everything, we'll do photos and we'll get a kit video sorted for. Brilliant. We'll make it look proper. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think we got we got two sponsors on the back, but we haven't got anything on the front yet. I don't know if think Tim's Tim sorted out what he was doing with the with the sponsor. So not a clue, mate. Wouldn't yeah, I? That's, that's <laughs> I, I I didn't get a lot get a lot back from him. So it, it was like, yeah, I've got ten. It was like, well, when are you when are you doing it? So it was like, yeah. well, we we just get it all ready and we we can get it get the sponsors printed on the front when we when we get sorted. All right. I'm sure in due time. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll leave you there. Thank you very much again, Paul, um, for coming on. No problem, mate. Team coach. So we'll. I'll catch you Tuesday. Yeah. Cheers, Jamie. Cheers, mate. Bye.